0: I never intended to be here. Um, I never wanted to be a pastor. Um, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Um, I wanted to live in Florida. Uh, I wanted to have a simple house near the beach where I could constantly feel the sand between my toes. Um, With that dream in mind and that plan, I uh, went to college in Long Island, New York, uh, grew up in New York, and so I went to college there and uh, went to study to be a marine biologist. Um, one fateful day, I was walking down the hallway, and uh, there was this quirky chemistry professor, uh, maybe you know the type, um, who called out and said, John, what do you want to do for an internship? Uh, You see, I went to a college where it wasn't necessarily a question of if you wanted to do an internship. It was what kind of internship did you want to do. And uh, so uh, I went into his office and said, John, what is it that you want to study? And uh, in marine biology, it's either dolphins, sea turtles, or sharks. And I'm not all into that kind of cute and cuddly, so I said sharks. Um, He looked on the stack of magazines on his desk and he said, hey, here, how about this guy? Um, There was a guy who was studying white sharks in Bodega Bay, California. I didn't know where Bodega Bay was, but I'd seen enough uh, movies about the California beaches that I figured, hey, sand between your toes, here we go. And uh, so I moved out there and um, eventually ended up going down to Mexico for a couple years to study sharks down there uh, and ended up then leading to uh, coming to Davis for grad school. Now, funny thing is, um, I never even intended to go to church in Davis. Um, The first three months that my wife and I were here, we drove an hour or more on Sunday mornings to go to church in Santa Rosa. And then I ended up going to church in uh, Vacaville, about 30 minutes from here, for about the first year that was here. And there we met uh, a guy who was planting a church called Discovery in Davis. And uh, we ended up becoming friends with them, ended up here in this church 15 years ago. It was never what I intended. Now, I had intended to become a marine biologist and go and to uh, finish my career, and I got my PhD here. But in the process of all of that, God began to wrestle with my heart. And it wasn't just going to be enough to serve in the church, but he was calling me to lead the church. Now, I didn't give that up. I I didn't accept that very easily. But God had a way of wrestling me into surrender and to receiving his plan. You see, I never intended to be here. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never planned any of this. But along the way, God wrecked my plans and he worked his plan. Now, I don't know what path you've been on that's led you here to this day, but what I can tell you, my friends, is that uh, it is not just by accident, it's not just by coincidence, but that God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And we have come together here to realize what it is that God wants to say to us. We're in this series called... This is week two. If you're brand new with us today, um, this is still a great time to get on board with us because uh, we just started. You can go online. You can listen to the message from last week. Uh, What it means when we do a message series here at Discovery is that uh, it means that we spend about uh, eight weeks uh, going through Sunday messages on this topic. Um, It means that if you miss one, you can listen to it on the app or online and catch up with where we are and stay part of it. It also means that there are discovery groups uh, that have studies that meet during the week in order to continue the discussion. See, on Sunday morning, I do a lot of this talking to you, you listen, but you have questions and you need people. You can take those studies and do them yourself, uh, but here's the thing, unless you have a community of people to help you and to encourage you and support you and challenge you through it, you won't get everything out of that God may want to do. Um, There's also a daily reading plan that you can pick up on the app, or there's bookmarks out there that you can just stick in your Bible, which I love to do, and follow along. We will actually, if you pick it up beginning tomorrow, you'll read through the whole book of Acts in the next several weeks. There's also some online resources that you can get along with the series. Um, One of the brand-new features that we have that is on our app, um, if you are the type that likes to take notes, not on paper, but want to save them for later, we actually have a digital notes option now if you open the app. You can go to the Sunday morning time, and you can find a spot that says notes, uh, and you can go ahead and take your notes there and save them. If you want to write them, you can get those note sheets that you get in the morning. If you're the type that says, I don't want to take notes, I just want to listen, that's okay too. Uh, We just want to give you these options uh, to help you to get the most out of what God is doing. Uh, We're going to open our Bibles to uh, Acts Chapter 27 this morning. Um, if you need a Bible, put up your hand. We want everybody to have a Bible so you can go and you can read through and kind of hash through these scriptures throughout the week. Uh, just put up your hand. Somebody will bring you this nice blue Bible. You can keep it if you don't have one, or you can just turn to the Bible on your device uh, if that's what you prefer. Today's message is called Don't Follow the Crowd. Now, what is Wrecked all about? Last week, I got a bunch of questions afterwards, kind of like, really, what does this mean? Because that doesn't sound good at all. That doesn't sound like something we want to come back for to get wrecked, but here's what I promise you, it's a good thing. Now, this series, this topic, this title, yes, on the surface, it is about this journey uh, by a missionary named Paul where he actually literally gets shipwrecked along the way. So on the surface, it's about kind of this leg of his journey and how he gets wrecked along the way, the circumstances that he goes through, but it goes much deeper than that. You see, what Wrecked is really about, what we're going to be looking at in our own lives is that it is a process by which God helps us to realize and to understand and to surrender along the way to the work that he is doing in our lives and in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So whatever happens on the journey that we realize, that we understand and we surrender to his work, even if it's good things or bad things. What we need to realize as Christ followers is this. Our walk with Jesus on this earth was never intended to be a pleasure cruise. It was never just meant to be smooth sailing. Jesus said things like, if you are going to follow after me, count the cost. He said it's going to be about dying to self so that I can give you life that is truly life. Along the way he is shaping us. He is refining us He is taking our dependence from the things of this earth into him alone to which life really comes So yes, we are being kind of wrecked of ourselves But we are being built up into the life that is truly his let me give you this example When I showed up here in davis 16 years ago, I had it all Uh, I was a, a great student school always came easy to me Um, It was life up to that point. I'd been extremely blessed. Uh, I figured I would show up here, enter into a top uh, program in ecology, um, and just kind of continue to sail through it, because I could do things. I am smart. Hey, I have things together. A month after being out here, my dad died. Two years later, my father-in-law died. In the midst of that, I got married to my wife, and um, if you are married, you know that there's nothing like marriage to wreck the self centeredness out of you. And so, as wonderful as marriage is and what a joy, uh, the reality is it kind of wrecked me of my selfishness. And I was growing to be a husband. We got pregnant with our first child Um, after our daughter was born. uh, My wife got postpartum depression. And I was not a good loving husband at all. In fact, I uh, did not love her well during that time to the point that she even became suicidal. Until the point that I realized, God, I can't do this as a husband. I can't just figure it out. I can't just try harder. I I need your help in this. And God taught me to depend on him. We had kids, four of them healthy, wonderful joys. And in the midst of that, God wrecked my heart and taught me what it is to have the Father's love. I never knew what my Heavenly Father's love was for me until I became a dad myself. There are many things about that that continue to wreck me personally and sanctify the selfishness out of me. Along the line, I became a pastor, entered into this thing called ministry, so I did what I had always done and said, you know what, I can plan this, I can work hard, I can get this done. Ministry wrecked me. Nothing like ministry has taught me that, there, yeah, there are some things I can do, but there are other things that only God can do. And if I'm going to try to do this on my own, I will be washed out, I will be sunk, I will be gone. And through it all, God has taught me. He has stripped me of the dependence on really everything around me in order that I would have a greater dependence on him. Now what we need to realize, friends, is that in the perspective that we have in this journey with Christ, the circumstances, they suck. I'll be honest with you, all of those things, and I'm not underestimating those things and how they feel for us right now, but if we shift from looking at our circumstances and instead look at what God is doing and the work in our lives, we will begin to be free from some of those things and to realize the life that Christ has for us. And so, yes, on the surface, we are going through some circumstances, but we're not just looking at those circumstances. We're looking at what God wants to do in us, that we grow and deepen our dependence on him. We're looking at the journey of this man named Paul. Paul. And we're looking at how not only did he have this shipwreck, but the reality was that he had been wrecked in his inner life long before. Here's the context of what we're going to talk about today. Paul, before he was uh, the great advancer of the gospel of Jesus, he was the persecutor of Christians. Saul was his name. And, And God saved him from that. He called him and said, you're going to be my instrument. You are going to be used for me. And then this guy, Paul, went on missionary journeys and he, went and he advanced the good news of Jesus, planting churches, uh, bringing people the good news of Jesus throughout the Mediterranean region. Along the lines, he encountered a lot of difficult circumstances and he ended up in Jerusalem. And there, uh, the Jewish people, the religious leaders, they wanted to kill him, just like they had killed his Savior, Jesus Christ, Before. But in the midst of that, Paul being in Jerusalem, he's about to go on trial. But one of these days, he calls out and he says, you know, I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. If you're a Roman citizen, you got to do that in those days. You say, hey, I want to talk to Caesar. I want my case to be heard by Caesar. And so everyone said, well, I guess he gets to go to Caesar. And so we got to get him to Rome and on his way to Rome. More than just being taken to trials, we looked at last week, actually seeing God's plan being worked out of how God is going to advance the gospel around the world to the ends of the earth, we find Paul on this journey in which he would get shipwrecked, but that is preserved in Scripture for us to learn from today. Acts 27, beginning in verse 1, it says, When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, They delivered Paul and some prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort. His name was Julius. And embarking on a ship of the Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us, And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coasts of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy, and he put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off of Canidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off of Salmone. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lysia. Now, honestly, what many of us would do in our Bible study at this part, point is just kind of coast over this part. A lot of names, a lot of places that, hey, we can't even pronounce them, let alone understand. Like, I have no idea where that is. And if that's kind of you, that's one of the reasons why we're doing the equipping workshop uh, tonight, because we realize that all Scripture is God-breathing, is useful for us. So what are we to make of this? Let me just kind of summarize it for us Uh, this morning. Because the reality is, if we were to put a map up here, here here's Paul's journey. You see all the places around the Mediterranean. What this passage is showing us is this, is that this is not just some fable, some myth that we're supposed to get some lesson out of, but this is a journey of a historical man going to historical places at a time in history, interacting with historical people. And this is the story of the people in the Bible. Not just story, not just myth, but the stories of people. And and what this means for us is that, hey, we have a story too in this time and this place and where we are and the people that we're interacting with. And so in Paul's journey, you and I can understand our journey. You see, God is still working out his plan to advance the good news of Jesus through real people like you and I today. And where we go and where we end up and who we interact with is not just some uh, mistake. It's part of God's bigger and better story. And so you could, like Paul's journey or like I could do, we could look at our journey. We could map out the steps that brought us here to today. So where were you in kind of that first place? Uh, Where was I? I could track back and say I grew up in New York, childhood, kind of went to college in Long Island, and then went uh, to Bodega Bay, like I already recapped for you, and brought me to this place here. What is it for you? What is the story? What does your journey look like? Because God has a bigger story, and you are part of it. But here's what we learn in the midst of it. That the trip does not always look like we thought it would. The trip does not always go the way that we planned. The trip does not always take us where we plan to go. But the hope that we find in this passage for you and I today is that God is with us wherever we go. He is working his plan in your lives. I oh, Hear me, church. I don't in any way, underestimate the circumstances that you are going through today. I've been there. Maybe not exactly what you've been through, but in many of the things that you have. The grief that you're experiencing, the depression that you're wrestling with, the discouragement that can be constant, the lack of hope, the struggle in your marriage, the struggle in your parenting, the struggle with your finances, that the can't get over the sin and temptation in your life and feeling like That's just what you'll always be stuck with. But in the midst of those circumstances, know this. God is with you. His grace is sufficient for you. And he wants to lead you from this point forward. Now, maybe this morning you didn't have that understanding. Or maybe you forgot about it. Maybe you were looking at your circumstances. This morning is about kind of raising our eyes back and seeing, yes, God has a bigger plan. That's what this passage is about. And you are part of it. How does your story fit in? What is God doing in your life? And here's the wonderful, amazing thing. That no matter where you are, God wants to guide you through it. Sometimes it feels like God's distant. Sometimes it feels like he's gone silent. But he is right there with you. And more than that, he wants to guide you. God so loved the world That he sent his son to die for us, to give us his grace. And the son sent the spirit to guide us into all truth along this journey. The big point that we're going to talk about today is how is it in all of this kind of sea of chaos, the sea of voices, how is it that we learn to hear God's voice along the journey? Continuing on. Verse 9 says this. Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul was going to advise them of something. At one leg of the journey, they had arrived at this place, Fair Havens, um, and they were sitting there, and now what it's saying is that the season, the fast, the Day of Atonement, which is kind of near the end of September, early October, had come. Now, what that meant was you do not sail out of fair havens for Rome because the seas are going to be rough, the winds are going to be crazy, and so you're better off just kind of wintering there. And so Paul says to them, Sirs, remember, Paul's a prisoner. He's not kind of this voice of authority. He simply chimes up and he says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much lost, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of of our lives. I'll be clear here. What it says is that Paul perceives, okay, what, this is not kind of the thus saith the Lord authoritative uh, from the Lord. This is a perception that a man of God has. Perception is good judgment based on experience. Now, we need to understand, though, that Paul's judgment is not just based on kind of popular opinion, but it is based on being saturated with an understanding of God. And so in this story, Paul represents the voice of God coming through in the midst of what other voices are out there. But it says, Nevertheless, the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, we don't get this because we don't understand these places, but here's the study that I did. Here's what this means. The majority wanted to get out of Fair Havens. Even though it had a good name, it wasn't the place they wanted to spend a bunch of months in. The majority wanted to get to this other place, Phoenix, where, hey, the coast was just right and where the party was always hopping. And so even though Paul's there saying, hey, I have a perception if we go this way, there's going to be a lot of loss. We should just kind of stay put here against the wind and the waves that are coming. It says that the centurion, it says that the pilot, it says that the owner of the ship say, no, I think we're going to go this way. And then the majority chime in and say, yes, let's get to Phoenix. That will be a good place to winter in. Who do we listen to other than God's voice in our lives? And what is it that drives us to want to go from what God is telling us to a path that is our own or a path that is along with culture. Because the majority that's speaking up is the crowd. If you remember Jesus was very countercultural. He was very often opposed to the crowd. In fact, it was the crowds that ended up crucifying Jesus. And so we need to understand that sometimes it's not about following the crowd. That as followers of Jesus, we have to not just pay attention to what culture is saying, but to what God is saying. We have to not just pay attention to where the crowd is walking, but where Jesus' path goes and where he would call us to follow after him. Who are some of the voices that we hear? The majority, okay? The culture, the popular culture and where it is going. Now, at different seasons of our life, that popular culture may be different things. If you are a student, it may be where everybody else on campus is going Friday night or how people are getting through week by week, following the crowd. If you're a parent, it may mean that, hey, if culture is saying your kids need this activity and this activity and this for education, that, hey, that must be the way that we're to go. What does it look like in your season? The popular voices that fill the airwaves, the way the majority is going. Maybe it is the experts in the field. What this passage would tell us is that the experts don't always get it right. The experts should have known if they had shown good judgment not to go out that time. But Paul, directed by God, would be able to say, hey, sirs, Remember, this isn't where we should go, but sometimes we listen to the experts. Sometimes it's our own selfish motives. I, I know I should maybe stay here and God to say, just wait patiently, but I want to take it into my own hands. I want to get here faster. I want to get here quicker. I want this now. I know God says, stay away from debt and don't uh, pour my buy things that I don't have money for, but I just want it now. I'll pay that off next month. I know that I don't have another moment in my schedule, but maybe this month it will be different. Maybe I can do it all. Maybe I can follow what God has as well as fill in my schedule with all of this other stuff. Sometimes it's our selfish motive. Sometimes it's the expectations of others, the people-pleasing that drives us. Sometimes it is the enemy that would seed a voice of doubt and discouragement in us and say, you know what? Maybe God doesn't even care. You better take it into your own hands. Now, this is a sea of voices that we hear all around us. You know, things like social media have only made it worse. Anybody who has a a handle can put a word out there for everybody to hear. And we are drowned by the sea of voices. And many of us are missing what God would say. We're failing to quiet our souls and to first ask God, what do you have for us? Where would you lead us from here? Now, why is it that we listen to others more than God? Might be a lot of different reasons. Maybe it's that it's more comfortable to go with the crowd. We want to be liked by people. We want to fit in, and it's easier to just kind of go with the crowd. Maybe it is because, hey, we're really about building our kingdom rather than following the plan that God has for us. Uh, I'll get a more comfortable life for myself, and I'll have more easy living than following Jesus, whose path ended up at the cross, and he calls us to follow him. Maybe it's that you've never heard this before. Maybe it's that like you didn't know that there's a God who uh, loves you and wants to speak f- to you and guide you. Maybe you've er, trusted in Jesus for salvation, but then you thought like, hey, I'm just supposed to figure this stuff, and you don't, just don't know. Or maybe it is that if we're really honest, it's easier to trust some other things in our life than to trust a God that we can't see, that we wonder about. And so I know that my parents are not always right, but at least uh, I can see that they're real people. And so I'll I'll listen to them. Uh, Maybe it's that, hey, these experts, they have the degrees on the wall, and so uh, let me listen to them. And we don't listen to God because we don't have a deep trust and a deep faith. Now, Here's the thing about being wrecked and God working his plan in our lives. There's not a single one of us that is there like a flip of a switch. Even Paul, by the time this journey is going on, it's 20, 30 years of study, 20, 30 years of following Christ, building up his faith. He had already been through two other shipwrecks. And maybe he'd learned something at this point. He Say, hey, I just feel God saying, don't go out there this time of year. I try that two other times. But God wants to build our dependence on him. Our God is trustworthy. Our God is good. Our God wants to speak to you. In his grace, he will allow us to fail and he doesn't just dismiss us and say, fine, you're on your own. He continues to call us back to him time and time again. And what I would hope that this morning that we would come to a point to say, all right, God, I have been trying to find my way through all of this. I've been struggling my way through this. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to decide to follow after you. I want to put myself in a position to hear from you. Because from that place, then we can go to the point of how, asking how, and to keep going after that. The reality is, the longer that we go on our own path, the greater the consequences there are. Paul said to the co-pilot, he said to the centurion, he said to the owner of the ship, there will be much loss. And if you fast forward uh, to the story, uh, what we'll get to is that the whole ship was wrecked. All of the cargo was thrown sea. There was much loss along the way. And here's what we need to understand, that there are consequences to going our own path sooner or later if you want to keep handling your finances the way that you are and be riddled with debt you're facing some of those consequences now if you want to keep going after job after job hopefully one of them will make you happy there are consequences along the way if you want to keep sleeping around before you're in a married committed relationship there will be consequences that impact your marriage that comes later if you want to keep filling your schedule to capacity so there's not even a single moment, you will crack, you will break, you will find yourself sunk and alone. There are consequences to going on our own journey. I'm not much of a golfer. Um, I go a few times a year. Um, I go with a few people that when I get out there, one of the things they tell you, sometimes I'll hit a drive. And it goes this way when I want it to go this way. Um, and afterwards, sometimes my buddies will sit there and say, oh, we saw it. your feet were painted, pointed that way. And so that's where the ball went, right where you were pointed. And um, but I say, what kind of friends are you? Why don't you tell me beforehand? That does me no good afterwards. I, we want to have friends that will see us going in the wrong direction and help us point in the right direction. Because a lot of us right now, we are swinging away. We are pouring everything into it. But we're pointed in the wrong direction. And so we keep wondering, why does it keep going right? Why does it keep going left? Why do I keep finding myself digging through the bushes trying to find that little white ball? I, I love you too much. I love you too much to let you be pointed in the wrong direction of us need to get back in the direction. We need to look at the relationships that we're living and say, that one's not leading where you want to go. We need to look at the way that we're living our lives at 100 miles per hour and say, that doesn't end well. We need to look at the ways that we are motivated by what other people are saying, what other people are doing, and say, that doesn't take you where you want to go. What you want is God's best for your life. What you want is the plan that he loves you so much to give. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. Some of that means recorrecting direction. And sometimes that feels like I'm giving something up that I don't want to give up. It feels like a wrecking and a tearing away and a shaping and refining by fire. But in the end, it leads us on the path that God has for us. And here's what we need to know, that there's a God who loves you so much that he's not just leaving you to get through these circumstances on your own. He has designed to speak to you if you would listen for his voice in that sea of voices. We are inundated every day, moment by moment. I I love that we have an app that we can read our Bible on But one thing I don't like about it is that oftentimes, if we're reading our Bible on it, there's a lot of other distractions there too. And so, even as we're trying to hear God's voice, we can get moved here or there. Now, like I said, I'm all for uh, the app, but it's how we use those resources, how we sit, how we listen to God. I want to give us three things that God has given us that we could hear his voice in the midst of the chaos. That's what it is around us, is chaos. Voices that are designed to take us off track. Number one is this, that we would be grounded in God's word. To be grounded in God's word. God has given us his word out of a love, a desire to give us guidance and direction so that we would know the way that he wants us to go. That we could know him. Some of us say, well, how can we really know who God is? God So loved the world that he wrote it down. That we can know him, that we can know what he wants for our lives. There's a popular Christian uh, kind of uh, verse that um, makes it on a lot of mugs and a lot of statement of faiths and whatnot. And it's 2 Timothy uh, uh, 3, verses 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But if we do good Bible study and we look at the context of that verse, it's not just something we pull out and we put, hey, that's a, that's a good one. No, if we look back at the beginning of 3, Paul writes to this young man, Timothy, and he says, understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. There's going to be people who are lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient. And he goes on and on and talking about the chaos that there will be, the difficulties that we will face. He says, how, young man of God, will you ever stay on track in the midst of all of that? And he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for you. And if you want to be on track in the midst of it, I believe you say, yeah, we're in these times of difficulty where we can look around and see, how in the world do we make it through? How in the world do we know what any real truth is? We come back all scripture being given by God to us. Paul even though he spoke on perception the reality is that he was a man who was grounded in God's word so that God's word the, the reality of the gospel it just marinated everything he did. And so even his perceptions came out, laden with the holy spirit and grounded in God's word I mean, it's like, I mean, good steak that has been marinated. You know, I usually, I'm not much of a golfer. I'm not much of a, a, a griller either. Um, but I, uh, so I usually do like 30-minute marinades that just get on the surface. And yeah, You get it, it's like a little bit of flavor, but not much. For those that would marinate deeply so that it sinks deep into every part of the meat, every part of our being, The reality is most of us are just superficially marinated and the taste is quickly lost. God's word doesn't flow deeply from you. And so today's the day to get back on track with that we love teaching the bible here we want our groups to this week are going to teach people how to study the bible tonight we're going to spend an hour in that equipping workshop because it's not just about listening to pastor on sunday morning it is about being a person of god's word as his spirit leads each one of us be grounded in god's word if you want to hear his voice it's a standard we can continually come back to But in everyday life, another thing to do is to be in tune with God's Spirit. To be in tune with God's Spirit. Um, I remember uh, back, it was 2000 when I was driving across country. And my wife and I, we were uh, up in the Colorado mountains. And this was one of uh, the rare years that the New York Mets were in the baseball playoffs. um, Which they are again today let's go Giants get there I'm looking forward to a game uh, against the Giants this week but I was so desperate in those mountains that I I need to hear because it's a rare occurrence right if you know baseball you know that for Mets fans it's a rare occurrence and so I was desperate to hear so we're there in the mountains trying desperately just to get this station tuned in listening among the static and I'll admit to you that sometimes that's what it feels like Uh, to uh, listen to the Spirit. But here's what I want you to know again, that God is not a God that is trying to trick you, try to make you work hard. No, he desperately wants to speak to you through the static. He just wants you to get in a position to seek him and seek to be in tune with him. Galatians 5 tells us that if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit, keep in tune with what he wants to say. Jesus said that he gave his Spirit to us to guide us into all truth, to counsel us, to comfort us. Most of us are grasping for every other thing but the thing that Jesus gave us, the person of the Holy Spirit who works in line with the Scriptures in order to lead us in the path that God has for us. The final thing that I'll share with us is this, um, that we must surround ourselves with wise counsel. We must surround ourselves with wise counsel. The book of Proverbs speaks a whole bunch of wisdom. Here's just a few Proverbs for you. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is Safety. It says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. You catch those words safety, uh, success. Isn't that what we desire to have? Victory, another proverb tells us. Now, the way to get there says is that through an abundance of counselors wise counselors not just experts of the field but people who have followed jesus and people who want to help you follow jesus who have no selfish motives for you except that you would experience god's plan in your life now do you have that wise counsel around you i tell you for me i was taking inventory sometimes we look for like a single wise counselor Uh, The way it's always worked in my life is that I have a network of people that I I depend on and I lean on for different things. So I have another uh, pastor named Lance Hahn who I turn to and just pour myself out as a pastor to get some counsel about how to lead a church. When it comes to leadership, I learn from some of the best leaders out there. I do it more from a distance from books and podcasts and different things, but uh, they speak to me. God uses those are my counselors that I listen to. When it comes to marriage, I have a man by the name of Ken Eichler who uh, tells me, you can call me anytime in the middle of the night that you are struggling. Uh, He was in ministry, he understands the interactions of marriage and ministry, and he just says, call me whenever, and I do. I have one friend, one friend who knows me inside and out, the type of friend who won't let me pass on when I say, you yeah, know, things are going fine, things are going good. He tells me, are you going to play that game? One friend, not 20 of them, because they're hard to come by. And here's what I would tell you. I've had to be very intentional about having a network of wise counsel in my life. And then that I've pursued continually. One of the things I realized this week that as my kids grow older, I'm missing somebody for a parenting thing in my life that I can turn to, that I can gain guidance and insight. And so I need to fill that this week. What about you? What are those things in your life? What are you waging war uh, against and continually struggling with? And who is it that God may provide? You need to be intentional about it. It does not come easy. And I've been through it all where sometimes people are there and then they're gone. Sometimes you can trust them and then uh, they betray you. But through all of that, we must have counsel around us. And so if you have, don't know what that is, that's what this path of getting in a group, being surrounded by people, uh, serving together, being part of a church, it's all steps. And again, it doesn't switch overnight, but sometimes as you walk this path, God provides that counsel as we go. So if you want to hear God's voice and any of these things are missing, you're not turning uh, to his word that he has given you in his grace. If you are not uh, looking and aware of his spirit in your life, you are missing uh, the person that God has given you more than any who will always be with you, will never leave your side, and is actually in you. If you do not have wise counsel in your life, what steps can you take this week to get there? What will you do this week? to put yourself in position to hear God's voice. Because we are in the midst of a stormy sea. We're in the midst of circumstances. We want to know desperately what God has for us. So we need to hear his voice. Jesus said this, that I am the good shepherd. My sheep, they hear my voice. Today, If we hear him knocking on the door, we open our heart and he will come in and he will dine with us and he will speak to us. Are you somebody who wants to hear God's voice that are committed and will decide to go his way rather than your own way? To see the life that he has, no matter what it leads you through, trusting in him alone. We wanna hear his voice this morning. So as we go into our time of response about listening, not listening to songs, not paying attention to what is going on around you, but listening for what God would say to you this morning. Lord Jesus, you want to speak to us. I know you do. God, you are the God who sees. You are the God who hears. You are the God who knows. There's not a single one of us that walked in here this morning. Regardless of what we looked on the outside or regardless of what was going on in the inside. That you didn't know about it. And that you didn't welcome us to come this morning regardless. That we could just come as filthy as we are, as messed up, as broken as we are. As disoriented as we are, as wandering as we are that you welcomed us to come. And God, I know that you want to give us comfort. I know you want to give us peace. I know that you want to give us direction and guidance. So I ask, God, I beg that you would come, that you would descend on your people here through your spirit, that you would speak to us, and that we could hear. God, take away the noise, take away the distraction, that we would hear your voice. God, speak to your people. In Jesus' name,